We are very blessed to have my parents in the house with us. In a few minutes, my father will be bringing the word. But first of all, I'd like to have my mom come up and greet you. My mother's a poet. She's the person who discipled me. Turn around. I'm following you. I see each step you take and fit my footprints into yours. So choose well the prints you make. Your influence on my life transcends the sands of time as I with unsure step walk out for that long climb. When you faltered yesterday, I found I stumbled too. And when new courage picked you up, my faith was made anew. I'm following you, please don't forget. Each step you must give heed. Whatever you do affects me too, for I go wherever you lead. On the path of life you go, never giving others thought. Someone is following you, your pathway will be sought. No man lives to himself, but reaches out to you. They walk the way you walk and do whatever you do. A little child, a tender plant, helps that father to be true. It grows up just like dad. His foot fits in your shoe. That little girl's so sweet right now. Her mother is her love. Do all the things a mom should do. Her hands inside your glove. One perfect one, has gone ahead. He's walked this way before. As we choose to follow him, we see his footprints on the shore. Those steps will lead to heaven, though rough the way might be. If you'll follow Jesus, you'll live eternally. Sometimes we forget and cause others to lose their way. That's why it's important we take the time to pray. So from now on, take special care of everything you do and never forget one single hour Someone is following you. God bless you. Best thing, the best thing you can give your child is a sibling. And uh, mom and dad, I just want to thank you publicly for giving me two great brothers and a great sister. Praise the Lord. Well, um, you're going to see that my father is an orator of orators. It's my honor and privilege to present to you Bishop Sam Latta, builder of churches, missionary from around the world. going to tell you something you already know. There's an awesome presence of the Lord in this place. Amen. Whatever it is you might be in need of, you've come to the right place. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. And he just loves to satisfy our needs. He loves to forgive sin. He loves to deliver you from anything that may have you bound he loves that. And I am so excited about my walk with God. I wouldn't trade this way of living for anything the world's got to offer. And I mean that in my heart. We always look forward to a trip to 
see our children. And uh, this year is a little different. I have traveled most of my life. I spent 29 years on the mission field in different parts of the world. And over there, they're not like here, you know, when you say praise the Lord to somebody, praise the Lord, brother. He says, praise the Lord back. They don't understand that overseas. You tell them, praise the Lord, brother. He say, hallelujah. He does what you ask him to do. And I love that. <laughs> I'm happy to be with you today. And I am by no means an orator and all those wonderful things. I'm, I'm glad I got him fooled. But <laughs> he's a wonderful son. And I respect and admire him and his wife and his children. They're great people. And uh, every time this week somebody said, you've got a wonderful son, I said, i got three of those. <laughs> and it's just wonderful to know the Lord and to be invited to preach here is no doubt an honor. It is in my mind and in my heart and my darling wife as well. Uh, we've been married quite a while now. Is it 57 57 years she's put up with this cowboy. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, I am just thrilled to be with you today. I want to read some scripture to you. And I pray that God will be my helper this morning. Our life is changing this year. I left my church recently turned it over to a younger man, and he will take it and run with it, he is, and uh, I'm back on the road. Seems like it ought to be just the opposite, but I want them to have the best, and uh, I am going on the road with my evangelism and seminars, and uh, I just I just love what I'm doing. I love to preach the gospel. If you found the gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 10, say praise the Lord. I want to read to you right now verses 25 through 29. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, You're a lawyer, you tell me. He said, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered, saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, Who is? my neighbor. That's what I want to talk to you about for a little while today. I pray that 
God will be my helper. As a matter of fact, would you pray for me right now? Dear Lord, we come into your presence with your wonderful word. We ask you to give us this day our daily bread. Feed us with bread that's convenient for us. From your holy word, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In Atlanta, where we presently live, every day they make the announcements of what's going to happen during the week, what's scheduled. And when they come to Sunday, they say, and Sunday, and a big old echo comes, you know, splattering everywhere. Football! Uh, you know, football's interesting, if you like it. Uh, but I can think of a whole lot better thing to do with Sunday than kick a leather pumpkin up and down a ball field and chase it. Uh, it's it's amazing. But this is football season. And it's happening somewhere out there today. While we're in here, somebody's kicking a crazy football around. We've got some great teams in this country. The Green Bay Packers is one of the greatest teams in America. And their head coach was Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi was a great man, a great leader of his ball club. And he was very unique. He was different in a lot of ways, is what contributed to his greatness. Every year, Vince Lombardi would hold a banquet for his ball club. And every year when he held that banquet, he was the principal speaker. And so when he was introduced to speak to his ball club every year, on the head table, there was a beautiful floral arrangement there. And perched right in the top of that floral arrangement was a football. And Vince Lombardi's opening statement was the same words every single year. When he was introduced, he walked to the microphone that stood in front of that beautiful spray or bouquet of flowers, and he would reach and get that football and hold it just as high as he could hold it and say, ladies and gentlemen, this is a football. They knew that was a football. They kicked that thing all over North America. But what he was saying to them is this represents everything that you are. This is the clothes on your back. This is your children's education. This is the roof over your head. This is the wheels that you drive. Everything that you, ladies and gentlemen, are is wrapped up in this football. What he said to them was the very same thing. Uh, 
that I would be saying if I went to the public library and went to the librarian and said, excuse me, ma'am, but this is a book. You really need to know that. Same thing. What he was saying to them is if he went to a beautiful symphony orchestra and he went to the maestro and he pointed out to him, you see this funny looking little note here with a little squiggly on it? Maestro, that's a half note. You gotta know that. Don't forget it. Same thing. Or if he came into this sanctuary, could I get my friend here just to stand up and point it out? You see this gentleman, everybody? Right there stands a neighbor. For what a football is, thank you, to a football game. And what a book is to a library. And what a half note is to a symphony orchestra. A neighbor is to the church of the living God. And Jesus said, love thy neighbor as thyself. This lawyer wanted to know, what have I got to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, what does the law say? And he didn't give him the Ten Commandments, but he gave him the royal law. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second one, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, <clears throat> this is interesting. Uh, we have ten commandments in all. Uh, maybe some of us are a little slower than others, and so he has to spell it all out. But if you love the Lord... With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, there shouldn't be any need to say, Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not commit adultery. It's all wrapped up in our relationship to God. And next to our relationship to God is love your neighbor as yourself. Mama, he asked the question, who is this ambiguous neighbor that I have to love as much as I love myself? Is it the guy next door? Is it the lady across the street? Is it the family in the next town down the road? Who is my neighbor? What if he speaks a different language? Is he still my neighbor? What if his skin is a different color? Is he still my neighbor? In answering this question, 
Jesus, in these next few verses, gives us an encapsulated view of the entire Bible in seven verses. He starts off, I like to call this guy Adam, because I think he just fits. He said in that next verse, Jesus answered when he said, who is my neighbor? He said, a certain man, I like to call him Adam, went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Isn't that what happened to Adam? God put him in that beautiful garden and here the enemy comes in and stripped him and of his innocence and left him dying. Hallelujah. And there he is, unable to help himself. But verse 31, by chance, there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now the priest of the Levite represented the law and the prophets that came through our world. The law and the prophets represented the righteousness of God. And man in his fallen state could never measure up to the righteousness of God. So when the law and the prophets had gone their way, man is none the better. He's still dying in the ditch of sin, unable to help himself. The law and the prophets was a lot like a carpenter's spirit level. It can say it's level or it's out of level. It's right. Or it's wrong. It's plumb. Or it's out of plumb. It cannot do one thing to change the situation. It can only judge it. And so it was with the law and the prophets. They judge man. And to break one of the laws was to be guilty of all of them. And the indictment reads, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so man is none the better. But God loved his creation. He wasn't strong enough to measure up to God's righteousness. And death reigned. And when death reigned, the blood flowed from ancient altars as sacrifices were made to cover the sins of mankind. But God still loved man in spite of his weakness, in spite of his sin. God loved him. There had to be a sacrifice that was more than an annual thing. There had to be an eternal sacrifice. So God himself 
and veiled himself in flesh and walked among us, was tempted in all points like as we are, and yet without sin, and went to Calvary and paid the supreme sacrifice that you and I might be redeemed and have a permanent redemption from sin. So the next portion of this story, verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. That's what Jesus did. He left his ivory palaces on high and came into our world and found us in our dying condition and lifted us out of the miry clay. He walked and let us ride. He gave us his power where we were without strength. He gave us his strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he brought us and he put us in an inn. And this is where we are today. This is the inn where God has put us. And he went to the innkeeper. And he said to the innkeeper, I want him to live. I want him saved. Here's healing and here's salvation. And whatever else you need, Use it. Spend it. I'm going away, but I am coming again. Whatever you have to do, do it. If you need to knock the ends out of the building and make more room, do it. I'm going away, but I'm coming back, and I'm good for the bill. I'll cover it all. He did that for us because of his love. And in the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, healing, salvation, and said to the innkeeper, to the host, to the pastor, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more, when I return, I will repay thee. That's what compassion does. Compassion is where it's at. Wendell Gleason wrote such a beautiful song. He had compassion on me. Touch my eyes. Now I see. Heal my feet. Now I walk in his way. Thank God he had compassion on me. Compassion will not only fill this place to capacity, compassion will fill any building you can get your hands on. Compassion is where it's at. He had compassion on him. And he said to the lawyer, Now who do you think, which of these three was neighbor? Unto him that fell among thieves. And the lawyer said, well, the one 
that showed mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The one that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, you go and do the same thing. Compassion is where it's at, church. It's where it's at. Hallelujah. Who is my neighbor? He let us know. It's the person that needs your help. That person is your neighbor. He won't ask you. He'll never ask you. We're too proud to ask somebody for help. But if we see it, we're responsible. Our eyes must affect our heart. It must awaken compassion in us. And we must have compassion for everybody that we see. Especially someone who is in trouble. I love foreign missions. Some of you may know that we spent 29 years on the other side of the world. We raised our family on the other side of the world. And I love it. But we can screen our personnel and send them all over the world. We can translate our material and circulate it. We can plan our crusades and conduct our crusades. We can raise our monies and spend it wisely. We can train our workers and dispatch them. We can build our schools and churches and hospitals and dispensaries. And all of that is wonderful. All of that is good. But that is not relevant to John Doe, Susie Q, Henry Y, who's in trouble. All that we do for foreign missions is wonderful. We must never stop it. But John Doe next door, his boy's in jail. He's in serious trouble. That's not helping the problem he's battling with right this moment. The lady across the street or down the street or the next block over, she has a daughter that she loves, and this girl's in trouble. She needs some compassion that our supporting and loving missions around the world is not going to give her. We need to reach out to her. Oh, let's don't let down on foreign missions. Let's continue. Let's continue to reach out to the world. But we've got to reach those around us. Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Hallelujah. Who and what is it that is going to give credibility to this church in the eyes of our community? Hallelujah. 
Jesus answered this lawyer's question in these eight verses. In this view of the, of the whole Bible is in those eight verses. Isn't that interesting? It's, it's there. And the answer is the person that needs your help. That person is your neighbor. The connecting link between you and that hurting person is not foreign missions. And oh, I love that. But the connecting link between this church and John Doe, Susie Q, Henry Y, whoever he is, is compassion. I love my kids, but I tell you what, they gave me some grandchildren. They're absolutely wonderful. And those grandkids are now giving me some more children that are really wonderful, those great ones. Of course, all of mine are great from the first one. But my son Marvin has got... I started to say he's got a little boy. He used to be a little boy named Benjamin. I don't know if Benjamin's ever been here or not. But he's a tall, lanky, gawky-looking, good-looking fella. And sharp. But I can remember when Benjamin wanted me to read to him. And he had one book he'd always bring. It was the story of Winnie the Pooh. Did you ever hear of Winnie the Pooh? Now, I'm going to test your honesty here. (laughs) Winnie the Pooh had a little donkey friend. Oh, you're honest. (laughs) You read to your grandkids too. He had a little donkey friend whose name was Eeyore. And one day they're walking along the river and Eeyore slipped and fell into the river. And as he's floating downstream, his little cotton body is soaking up water and slowly, slowly, slowly he's sinking. And Winnie... He's not offering him any help at all. When he says, what's the matter with you? Why, you should have been more careful. Why, you could drown out there. And finally, just his little button eyes and little button nose sticking out of the water, and he's about to go under, he cries one time, help me. When he says, oh. Okay, he wades out there, grabs him, drags him up on the bank. And Eeyore says, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Winnie says, don't be silly. You should have said something sooner. That's too much like us, isn't it? Uh, That's too much like us. I'm going to tell you, John Doe, Henry Y., Susie Q., 
whatever their names are, will never ask you. But God will only let you see their predicament. And if you have compassion, you will minister to that one. You will reach for him. That's what he did for us. It was his love that reached down where we were and pulled us out of the sinking sand and put our feet on a solid rock and gave us direction. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, folks. What I'm trying to say is this is a football. This is where it's at. This is what we're all about. Everybody said compassion. Who is my neighbor? A person that needs our help. That person is our neighbor. No need to just go by and and say, well, God bless you. We're praying for you. Keep a stiff upper lip. You're tough. You're going to come through this. Yeah. That's not what the Bible says. Let me give you some scripture. Hallelujah. Please give me 1 John 3, verses 16 through 18. What does the Bible say? Hereby, or this is how we perceive or perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought, you know, anything that you ought to do, you can do. If you ought to do something, you can do it. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Oh, it'll cost you something to win a soul. Yeah, it'll cost you something. We don't operate and live on freebies. Hmm. No, no. I, I can't hardly ask for a discount in a store. I just, I just don't do it. I go in with fellas and boys. Well, how much I get? I'm a preacher. How much? I say, whoa, whoa, whoa. You eat like a sinner and sleep like a sinner. Pay like one. <laughs> Look at what he said. Here's how we perceive the, the love of God. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth, everybody said seeth. You know that, uh, that ETH on there changes the connotation of that word altogether. You just didn't see it once, but every time you drive by, there it is. It hits you in the eye. Seeth means keeps on seeing. Whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth, you just keep on shutting it up, shutteth up his bowels of compassion, there's that word again, from him. Ah, this last of this verse is strong as horse radish. How dwelleth the love of God in him. 
Oh, that's smart. God wants us to have compassion on people that are in need. Hallelujah. Some places in Africa, we have what we call rice Christians. People come to church just to get a can of rice. I'm not talking about making rice Christians out of anybody. We'll help them on their feet, then they got to help themselves. But they got to get on their feet first. We got to extend a hand of compassion. You know, you're the only Bible that some people will ever read. They read your your life and open their Bible, or they read your life and close their Bible and say, ah, there's nothing to any of it. How dwelleth the love of God in him if we don't open our heart? Is that verse? Okay, one more verse. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. God bless you, friend. I know you're having a hard time, but God bless you. We're praying for you. Amen. Just keep on keeping on. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Bye. Don't mean beans when they're hungry and they're hurting. Let me give you another verse. You know, you don't have a doctrine if all you have is one verse of Scripture. The Bible says, Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Let me give you another one. James 2, 14 through 16. Hallelujah. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith? Oh, but our religious world says we're saved by faith alone. What a dirty lie to deceive people to say, well, just because you believe. The devil believes, and he trembles when he believes there's one God. takes more than believing. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? Uh -uh. Your faith is only as strong as your works. Next. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, Next. And one of you say unto them, Oh, depart in peace. <laughs> be warmed. Be filled. God bless you. Hallelujah. Amen. See you down the road. No. Notwithstanding, you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? That's strong. Who is my neighbor? The person that needs my help. That person is my neighbor. You know, Jesus loved his disciples. He loved Peter. Peter was as impetuous, noisy, braggadocious, 
He had the floor every time. The whole world had a right to his opinion. You ever meet anybody like that? <laughs> Lord, though everybody forsakes you, you can count on people. I won't let you down. The Lord said before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. No. Honey, before the cock crew, he had not only denied him three times, but got so mad, had a cussing fit. And he no more than got that filth out of his mouth, and Jesus come by, and all, he never said a word, just looked at him. Boy, don't you know, there's a hardest look to take. And memory took him by the hand and led him back those hours when he said, before the cock crows. And about that time, that old rooster began to crow. And he wasn't man enough to live with, but he went out and he wept bitterly, the Bible says. Jesus went on to Calvary. And thank God for the resurrection. Peter thought it was all over for him. He said, well, I'm going fishing. And he did. But Jesus is a fisherman too. You know, he made two-thirds of the world water and one-third land. That means you're supposed to do twice as much fishing as you do plowing. So Jesus went fishing too. And Peter's out there fishing and toiling and Jesus already caught his mess, and he's on the shore, and he's got a fire going. And I don't know what kind of skillet he had, but I know he had fried some fish. And in Peter's boat, he said, that looks like, that looks like the Lord. He said, I believe that is the Lord. So they said, let's go ashore. So they came ashore. They got out of the water and... What did Jesus say? Well, well, if it isn't the mouth of the south, you really let me down after all that blowing and bragging you did, Peter. i tell you what I want you to do. I want you to sit right there on that front seat. Don't testify. Don't open your mouth. Don't say one word for three months. you got to prove yourself, boy. Oh, where did that ever it's not in that Bible. Jesus got bread and fish on the fire. I don't know if it was a stump or a log or a rock. But Peter was all wet. He said, Peter, come here. Sit down on my log. Draw up near the fire here. Warm yourself. You must be cold and wet. And here, I've cooked some fish. I want to minister. You're looking at compassion. And after Peter had eaten the Lord's fish and dried himself off and rested, 
Jesus asked him one question. Simon, do do you love me? He's still Peter. Yeah, Lord, sure, you know I love you. Man, what a question. Lord, just let it slide by. In a little while, he said, Peter, do you love me? Oh, he's still Peter. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Jesus, you know I love you. What kind of question is that? Lord, just let him sit a little longer. And after a little while, he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? He never rebuked. He never scorned. He never corrected. He never beat him down. He never put him on a guilt trip. He just offered him warmth, food for his body, and his love for his spirit and his soul. And that third time, Peter couldn't take it anymore. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know whether I love you or not. I think I do. I want to. Uh, that's what Jesus did. That's how he dealt with an utter failure. He had compassion on him. And what a beautiful example that is to us in dealing with someone who has really let us down in our work. Hallelujah. I'm glad I didn't fall. I nearly did. Ain't bad for an old 76-year-old, is it, huh? (laughs) This is a football, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we're all about. This is where the rubber hits the road. Compassion. That's the name of our game. Mercy. If you see it, you're responsible. Are you hungry? for His compassion to rule in your life, to care, to not always be judging, telling someone like little Eeyore, Eeyore's in trouble. Eeyore knows he made a mistake. Eeyore knows he was walking too close. Eeyore knows he could drown. They know all of that. What Eeyore needs is not that. He needs somebody to pull him out. That's what our world needs. We sing, He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today. A song of praise. Hallelujah. Maybe there's somebody here that uh, you feel like you want to be used of God. You haven't had any definite direction, but you have found out that you can have compassion and mercy and be a living witness. Or maybe you are that neighbor in trouble. Maybe you need forgiveness 
in your life. You need the wonderful gift of the Holy Ghost. It's in this place. And it is the will of God for you. He would not that any should perish, but that all would come to eternal life. While we tarry just a moment, is there somebody feel like you'd like to come and pray? There are people here that love to pray with you. I feel that spirit in this church. Somebody here will pray with you. There are others that will come and join us here. Hallelujah. Some of you saints of God, come and pray with these that are coming. Who is my neighbor? The person that needs my help. God bless you today. God bless you, Pastor. There is a sweet anointing in the sanctuary. There is a stillness in the atmosphere. your opportunity to receive prayer respond to the message or prayer for healing prayer for wisdom prayer to receive the Holy Spirit prayer to get back on the right path we're here to minister to you there is a Before you leave today, why don't you look around and 
introduce yourself to someone and ask them, can I pray with you about anything? We do that. Or you leave, pray with someone about their need. Lord, we just thank you for the word that we've heard. God, our neighbor is anyone we meet that has a need. Lord, we thank you for the provision that we have in our hands. What is in our hand is so important, not just for us, but just for those with needs. Use us as a congregation and as individual believers to meet needs throughout this community. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for the fruit that is happening even in this meeting today and beyond. Thank you, Lord. Speak, Lord, speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, speak, Lord. Speak, Lord, speak. so much for worshiping with us today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God Almighty himself lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may you be an instrument of his peace everywhere you go.